You're listening to the Arise Church Podcast. We are an Acts 29 church in Ventura, California, where we exalt Christ, embrace community, and engage culture. Find out more info or hear more sermons at our website, ariseventura.com. Thanks for listening. Good morning, church family. Why don't you take your Bibles, open up to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is our text for this morning, and um, here we are at the end of 2020, uh, a year that has epically failed everyone's expectations, and, and so your pastor and I and the pastor of Arise Church, Steve Ross, we got together and uh, we decided that it would be best for Advent 2020 to refocus our hope on Jesus Christ in a year uh, that was not what anyone expected, a, a year that failed everyone uh, and everything that they were hoping to get out of this year, uh, to take this as an opportunity to evaluate ourselves, to assess our hearts, and to see and to grow in our hope, uh, anticipation for the uh, coming of Jesus Christ from uh, looking back to his first coming, his first advent, and looking forward to his second advent. So Romans 8 is going to help us with that uh, this morning. But before we get started, um, I'm right in that that the most enjoyable stage of parenting. And, and one of my favorite uh, dad memories I've got was showing my uh, son, Micah, his first action movie. Right. And so uh, he, he just watched kids stuff before. And so we just jumped right into like it was Iron Man. And so we were watching Iron Man. This was a few years ago. And I remember it was a, such a huge experience for my son because it was so different from everything he had seen before. And so uh, when uh, Iron Man punched his first bad guy in the face, I remember Micah being like, whoa, like we can do this? Like this is crazy. And he's like looking kind of unsure. Uh, and every uh, at every point and every turn of the story of that movie, Micah was fully engaged, super excited or really depressed when when Iron Man gets hit by a tank. Like, Iron, like my son Micah's worried uh, out of his mind. He's screaming, no, because he, he legitimately thinks uh, that, you know, Iron Man might have died. And, and I realized what was happening. Uh, Micah hasn't seen enough action movies to, to realize that, you know, kind of in the end, uh, the good guy always wins. And because he didn't know the ending, the whole journey of the film was up and down and up and down and up and down, which was so much fun to watch, so much fun to experience, um, not so much fun if that's the way you're living life. If you don't know how this is ending, if you don't know what Jesus did uh, at his first coming and you don't know what he's going to finish when he returns, this uh, journey is going to be a, a series of a roller coaster of up and downs uh, that's not going to be so fun. And so uh, what, what I want to do is what Paul wants to do in Romans chapter 8. I want us to grow in our hope and anticipation of Jesus Christ. Everyday hope. How do I increase uh, my hope in Jesus? How do I decrease the hope in things that that fail? And uh, in, in years like 2020, uh, I know God is is at work in, in many of us to grow our hope, to make us give us a hope that endures and thrives even in difficult seasons. So, let me read the text, and you can follow along as I read. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 18. 
Romans 8, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Can I just pray for our time? Father, so thankful for your word, for your inspired word, how you use the word of God, your word, and the Holy Spirit in us to, to, um, to perfect us, to make us more like Jesus. You use it to stabilize us through difficult seasons. And and so, Lord, I'm so thankful that we can gather together and come before your word and find a necessary uh, hope, uh, needed hope, uh, urgently, uh, we're urgently desperate for the hope that we have in Jesus. So, Lord, use this time to refine us, redirect our hope, uh, and that it would all be upon Jesus. And, Lord, through that hope, may you, uh, may we be more like Christ and may you use us in this hopeless world to shine the truth of Jesus to a world that desperately needs hope. Lord, we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Look at verse 18, how Paul opens this section of scripture. He says, for I consider, that word consider means to reckon means to, to meditate on. It means to consider or maybe even count and, or ponder. It's a word that means an a, a, a intentional mental assent. And that's, that's what Paul wants us to do here. If we're going to grow our faith, we have to change the way we consider or the things that we think when we're suffering. Our thinking will either uh, increase our hope or our thinking will destroy it. And so Paul wants us to, to give us uh, kind of the road that we our mind needs to go down when we're suffering, when we're lacking hope, when we're struggling to, to put hope in Jesus Christ. He wants, us, he wants to show us some truths that will increase our hope as we continue to, uh, to think upon them and to meditate, meditate upon these truths. So uh, point number one on an outline, I increase my hope when I consider that suffering is the norm for my life on earth. Point number one, I increase my hope when I uh, know that or when I consider that suffering is the norm for my life on earth. You uh, cannot escape the reality that and the universal experience for all of humanity of suffering. Suffering is 
is normal. That's why Paul talks about suffering in this text, the sufferings of this present time. This present time is known as a time of suffering, that this creation that we see, the world around us, has been subjected to futility. It's broken. It's in bondage, Paul says. And now I know this might not be like the most... uh, holiday, inspirational idea, but, but there is hope at the end of this idea. You've got to, got to, got to uh, follow, me, follow me here as we go through this. But suffering is the norm for my life on earth, and, and that leads to great hope. Um, and let me, let me explain how that is. Um, the Bible, cover to cover, builds the expectation Uh, from everyone from Adam and Eve and the fall of man to the very end, that everything in between is going to be filled with human suffering. And and we see that from Genesis chapter 2. And because of the sin of man, uh, humanity and the creation itself has been what Paul says subjected to futility. Everything here is broken. It's under bondage. And so uh, we see that from the very beginning as sin enters into the world. Genesis chapter 2, when Adam and Eve eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, their eyes were open and they knew that they were naked. There's brokenness right there. Their identity, their understanding of themselves, their soul just broke right there in that text. Their emotions broke. And so the man and his wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God right there. Their mind, just like their rational abilities broke. It's their relationship with God broken. And uh, the the man said, the woman that you gave to be with me, she gave me the the fruit of the tree and I ate. And then the woman uh, shoots back what uh, the serpent that deceived me and I ate. And right there, the marriage and relationships, they're broken at that point. Uh, and we're stabbing each other in the back. Uh, God says to the woman, because of her sin, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. And uh, man, I just that's brokenness that we see every day. How the most joyful moment in so many of our lives is also the most physically painful that will ever that you will ever experience. Been in the room three times, ladies. Thank you, mothers, for doing that. We so, like, if, if, if that was something that the men had to go through, there would be no children on earth at all. So thankful for that. But that's, that's just an example of, of the brokenness that entered into the world because of sin. Uh, your desire shall be for your husband, God says, and he shall rule over you. There's all domestic violence, all abuse, every divorce, every human brokenness. It's just right there in the text. To the man, he says, cursed is the ground because of you. All creation just broken, disease, accidents, pandemics, cruelty, suffering, all here in this text. In pain, you shall eat of the bread of the earth all the days of your life. There is overtime, unemployment, scarcity of resources, wage gaps, all of that right there where the world broke in Genesis chapter 2. And you are dust, and in dust you shall return. Which is the ultimate reminder for all of us of the brokenness that exists in the world that we are helpless uh, to fix. And so because of this, that suffering is the norm, you and I as Christians shouldn't be surprised when throughout our week we find ourselves at regular intervals 
um, what Paul describes as groaning inwardly. I think you know what this text is talking about, that when you say in your head, oh no, like, oh, not again. Why is this happening, right? Those are inward groanings. Life on earth is punctuated by extended periods of inward groaning, and and we groan inwardly, Paul says, while we wait. And again, this isn't uh, the nice, inspirational, uh, fluffy holiday message. This is a, a real message for 2020 Christians who are struggling to figure out uh, how to place their hope in Jesus and how to not be decimated by everything going on in the world today. And, and this is important for us to remember. Suffering is the norm. Because when I'm suffering, I get all prima donna on it. I don't know about you, but like I, I want to, when I'm suffering, I want to exaggerate my suffering for everyone who's willing to listen. Like my wife, when I get like a cold, I, I, my, I tell my wife I'm dying, right? When someone does something and betrays me relationally or hurts me, I pretend like it's the worst thing ever to ever happen. And, and, uh, and, and we walk around like, no one's ever experienced suffering like this. And that's just not true. Like suffering's the norm. Oh, my marriage is is the worst. You don't know what my husband's like. I've heard that over and over again. And that's just theologically untrue. And and, um, suffering, like you and I experience on a regular day-to-day basis, has been the experience of Christians throughout all of human history. And the encouraging and hope-filled truth of this idea is that Christians, since the beginning... Uh, brothers and sisters in Christ have navigated this suffering and come out at the other end hoping more in Jesus Christ, and you will too. This isn't extraordinary, and, and this is, is normal for life here on earth. It's easy for us as American Christians to forget that, but, um, but we need to remember that. Uh, this that the suffering is normal. Uh, my wife and I, we often do marital counseling uh, with families in the church or outside the church even. And uh, over and over again, I, I've had uh, the same scene play itself out. I've got the, the couple sitting on the couch in front of me. My wife and I uh, are there. We're asking questions. We want to know what's going on. And, and one of the spouses goes off. You don't know what they're like. You can't believe what they've done to me. And they go and retell this whole account of the sin that has been committed against them. And and I get, I often get this look from my wife, this very gracious, loving look, where my wife will be listening to this spouse, uh, to this woman who's talking about the sin that has been committed against her uh, by her husband. And my wife will just give me a side glance. Just, it's just a little glance, just, just to remind me, yeah, you do stuff like that too, right? (laughs) You do, you, you've done stuff. It might be a little different. But it's the same heart, right? And, and then my wife will go to explain to this, this wife, other wife, hey, you know what? My, my husband does a version of that as well. And thankfully in Christ, we find the ability to forgive and the ability to be redeemed and restored in this brokenness. It, our suffering is normal. And that's an encouraging thing because God has beaten things like we, what we're facing time and time again, and he will for you as well. Point number two is this. 
Point number one is suffering is the norm for my life here on earth. Point number two is this. We need to be convinced that my future is glorious. If you're going to grow everyday hope, you need to know that suffering is the norm. And what you're experiencing is very similar to what everyone else is experiencing. And God has beaten it time and time again. But secondly, you need to be convinced that your future is glorious. Look at verse 18 again. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Now, this is what Paul is doing in this text time and time again. He's, he's, com- he's comparing uh, what we're experiencing today and the difficulty and, and the groaning and uh, the eager longing with what's coming adoption as sons, the revealing of the sons of God, freedom from bondage and corruption, and and these things. He's comparing what we experience as as Christians now today with what's coming. And Paul says, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. This is my future, okay? Whatever is going on with you today, However difficult it is, whatever pandemic and shelter at home restrictions have done to you and your family and your business and your your life, this is your future revealed as the sons of the most high God set free from bondage of to corruption and obtaining freedom of the glory of the children of God. You will be fully realized as adopted children and the and you'll experience the redemption of your bodies to its full eternal potential that's your future with the god of glory through jesus christ now if you're going to build and grow in everyday hope you need to be able to taste this you need to be able to imagine this and as, as you um, consider what you're going through today, it's easy to just kind of um, to just focus on how much it hurts. And, and maybe men, often we often think about just solutions. We're going to solve it. We're going to solve it. But in every trial, in every suffering, there is a pause moment for Christians where we sit there and convince ourselves that everything we're experiencing is totally worth it because of the future that we have in store for us. And, and that's the point of this text. One of the amazing things that always, always just boggled my mind when I was growing up was um, I would look at my friends who had parents who paid them when they got good grades. Um, that, that's just not how it works in an Asian household, right? Like good grades are the way you justified your place in the family. Like you got to eat dinner if you get, got good grades. Like that's how it, it worked for us. But I, I, I was so jealous uh, of these other families and these guys. And I totally understood how it would work, right? You're sitting there, you're studying history and it's super boring and you don't want to do it. But you're like, man, if I study, every hour I study, I get paid for. Like I get paid dividends for the investment I'm giving right now. And I looked at that and like, that's amazing. That's, that's, I, that would be so cool if my parents paid me for getting good grades. I think that attitude ought to be reflected for us as Christians. When we're suffering, we're looking, we're looking forward and saying, hey, every suffering, every hurt, 
every betrayal, every, every tear is going to be ba- paid back tenfold in eternity. And, and we will stand before the presence of God and thinking on everything we've ever experienced in this life and what we're experiencing right now, we will look back on this day and say, it was totally worth it. It was absolutely worth every moment, every difficulty, the hurts of the past, the pains of the present. Paul says, can't compare to the glories that we will experience in our future. Now, now this is where the rubber hits the road for hope, okay? If I were to come to you in your trial or in your last trial, in your last difficulty, maybe it was a sickness, maybe there was drama going on in the family, maybe, you know, holiday issues or whatever it may be, you're losing a job. If I came to you in the midst of your last trial and I just patted you on the back and I said, hey man, it's going to be okay. Like, heaven's going to be great. I know as, uh, that seems like superficial, doesn't it? It's, it seems like a, a Band-Aid on a real significant problem. And, and you kind of want to sit there and be all negative. And, well, that, how does that help me now? But that's what Paul says is the solution. Paul's not telling the Roman Christians, hey, don't worry, you're going to get a break soon. Hey, hey, don't worry, uh, I'm going to come visit you or you're going to get a vacation. Or, hey, don't worry, you'll get this promotion, or it can't last forever. Or he doesn't even necessarily say, oh, don't worry, uh, God's going to use this in amazing ways. He, he, he pats us on the back and says, hey, heaven's going to be great. And if that's not a solution for us as Christians, then what else is? Like the real problem is that we don't believe heaven is going to be that great. The real problem is we can't imagine in our minds a glorious God who rights every wrong in eternity, who, who fixes every true problem and restores every, uh, every hard moment, who makes every difficulty, every pain, every suffering, every trial completely worth it in his presence. See, uh, most of us, our problem is not that we lack hope. For most of us, the problem is that we have too much hope in all the wrong places. We, we hope in uh, money. We hope in our family and people. We hope and you know, oh, oh, and whenever we sit there and think, I need this to be happy, that, what you're doing there is you're placing hope, your hope in that thing. Uh, I need a vacation. I need a drink. I need a new job. I need to move out of California. Whatever it may be, And these things, these hopes, these things that we place our hope in, it's dangerous for our soul. You need to understand this. It's uh, in that we often bring ourselves into this cycle where we we look at something. I'll just example. I'll just, I do this. I look at uh, a vacation. Oh, I need a vacation. And we start scrolling on our Instagram feed. Oh, there, I need to go where they are. And, and so I, I look at it and I'm like looking at the destination, looking at the things that we could do. And I start assessing and I start picturing myself in that, it like on vacation there. And I'm just growing. It's the hope is growing. And then uh, I move into the second phase of, of growing hope. I, I, uh, I go start pursuing that. I investigate tickets. I start saving up. I'm like, okay, 
Uh, what do we need to sell? Like, like uh, how, how do we, you know, we could sell the kids, we could sell the whatever, right? Whatever we need to do to get on vacation, we neglect God's call on, on our life and, and other things to just serve this idol. We got to sacrifice to this thing. We got to get there because my hope is in a vacation. And so, so we're assessing, we're pursuing. And then the third stage, the hope either delivers, right? We go on vacation. This is amazing. And then we get back home, and a week later, we're looking for another vacation. Or, by God's grace, some of us and some of you have gotten to the the end of that road. Where you've seen so many hopes fail, that you're really needing new hope. You found yourself, like, sitting in bed in the morning thinking, why, why should I get out of bed? That is a wonderful moment of redemption, where God is, he's stepping in and, and, and showing you that the things that you trusted in weren't worth it. Jot this down. If it has an expiration date, if it dies, it's not strong enough for you to put your hope in. It have, if it has an expiration date or if it dies, it's not strong enough for you to put your hope in. We have to be convinced that our future with the unchanging, never ceasing God in eternity in his presence is going to be worth it. That's the only hope that will not fail. We place hope in other things that die or expire or end. You're going to be in that cycle lifelong. You're going to be searching for that over and over and over again. And that's not what God has for you. That's why Paul says here the solution ultimately is heaven and what Jesus is going to do when he returns. This this hope that we long for, that we're looking forward to, we defined it last week. Hope is the present life lived, remembering God's faithful past and having confidence in God's promised future. As you learn to take your hope uh, and remove it and stop placing hope on things that die, stop placing hope on things that end and expire, and place your, ha- your hope in the faithful God who will always exist, who has always been and always will be, and is always good, you will have a hope that never fails. Point number three, as we're winding down here, is this. As we wait for our glorious future, God's love will bring us to the finish line. As we wait for our glorious future, God's love will bring us to the finish line. Uh, look, at, look at verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Look, if God's going to go through the effort to send his son to this earth to live a righteous life, a completely righteous life, fulfill all of his law and all of his perfect expectations to die on our behalf for our sin, resurrect from the grave, If he's going to go through all that work, God's not going to just leave you where you're at, half finished. If he gave us his son, 
How will he not also finish everything? How will he not also fulfill all of his promises to us? Is he going to kill his son one moment and then fail to fulfill his promises and to bring us into eternity to worship him forever? He's not going to stop now. That's the point of this text. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Verse 33. It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Shall distress? Or persecution? Or famine? Or nakedness? Or danger? Or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. As we wait for our glorious future with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you can have certainty that He's going to deliver in the end, get you to the finish line, because His love conquers all, And he's going to see you through to the end. And we will bask in his glory for all eternity. Think upon these things and your hope will flourish even in the most difficult times. Paul uh, says in Romans chapter 15, and he prays that the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.